What's up guys, As from Short Convos here. I just wanted to take a moment to apologize for the sound quality on this week's episode. JC had a lot of rain uh, coming through on his rooftop and it's kind of got picked up a lot more than we realized on the microphones. We It's something we're aware of, that the sound quality is not great on the podcast, so it's something we're going to work on in the future. I'd strongly urge you to power through because we have a really interesting conversation about all things martial arts this week and we didn't really do an introduction so let me just do one whilst I'm here. We're both martial art instructors from the UK and although Short Convos is more of a personal development slash friends sharing podcast, we every now and then do a martial arts special and we, we discuss some of the finer points. So hope you enjoy the episode. Again, apologies that the audio's not all it's cracked up to be, but I think the conversation makes up for the poor audio quality. Enjoy. Welcome everyone, episode 58 of the Short Convos podcast, and it is a martial arts special. Martial arts special. Put some sound. Yo, dude. Yeah. (laughs) How how are you doing? How are we going to start this martial arts special? When was the last one? It's a few episodes back. I didn't look. It's quite a while back. I didn't look on the archive to see exactly when it was, but it was... I, I think it was at a landmark. I think we did it at something like 25 or 50, 24 it might have been. We might have done it on 24. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was a fair while ago. It was. Uh, well, we can get started anywhere you like. I had an idea for a segment, unless you had somewhere you wanted to begin. Uh, no, I, I, I've got a few things that I'd like to talk about, but no, uh, go, go for it as. If you've got a segment, let's crack the segment. So I, I've recently been enjoying something called Reddit. I don't know if you've ever explored Reddit or heard of Reddit before. Familiar with Reddit? I can't have no enlightenment. That's a, any other listeners that might be. Uh, most people have heard of like an internet forum. Reddit is like a collection of internet forums. So if you wanted to discuss a particular topic, such as martial arts, there's like a whole room of discussion where people who enjoy that kind of stuff can go and discuss that kind of stuff with like-minded people. Right. It's basically Reddit, like a not as in the co- Not as in color, as in yellow, orange, green, Reddit, as in R-E-A-D, Reddit. Uh, Reddit as in R-E-D-D-I-T, as in its own little word that I'm not quite sure oh, okay. what it means or where it comes from, but that's, that's the website's name. Um, and I've recently been enjoying it because you can go into very sp- you can go to a kickboxing Reddit and just talk kickboxing, Muay Thai, MMA, whatever your bag cup of tea is, you can find one. Anyway, part of this is you see a bunch of the same questions get asked again and again. And what I thought I would do, just to make it interesting, I want to play devil's advocate and ask or make some of these statements that get made in particular in the karate and in the traditional martial arts Reddit and get your responses to them uh, as someone who teaches and takes part in in such things. How's that sound? Yes, fine, it sounds good to me. Good to me, less far away. These are super common. These are asked in there all the time, or they're stated. Like you can, you can put a little paragraph and have a little uh, rant, I guess. But this is this is the most common one. Um, catters are BS. They're a waste of time. Uh, why does anyone continue to teach or to learn kata? Respond. Are we uh, are we talking? Uh, this is how regular is this? Like what kind of? Uh... You know, uh, this is something that comes up on a weekly, a daily, a monthly, what kind of, I'm I'm just interested in the concept of it. Sure. So I I probably check in with Reddit once a week and every week I see a new one of something along the lines of Kata is bull or I hate Kata or why do people do Kata? Questions around Kata uh, and its effectiveness and therefore the point of it. Mostly it's related to, does it help you learn how to fight? And the general thing is that it doesn't help you to fight, but it's rooted in tradition and therefore it's just stuck around because of tradition rather than having any utility. So I teach kata and uh, I was teaching kata today and was teaching it yesterday and I'll be teaching it tomorrow, next week and everything else. And uh, I would say those that... uh, if someone's asking what the relevance of is of kata, 
then I would say it serves a purpose uh, for those uh, that find use in it, that find use in doing it. And uh, I think it's usually the older student uh, that enjoys the kata and wants to pursue the kata. Uh, but the, the uses in it is uh, an inward, I, I use the word calm, an inward sanctuary people find by doing kata. That, that's for me the main reason why I think people come to me to do actually or, or continue to kata. Like we've had recently a few people start the kickboxing journey and switch to the karate uh, after doing a kata class because they just enjoy that side of it. Uh, there is the fun element to it, and I'm saying fun as in learning what each move. Uh, if you wanted to go down the practical route, if that's the conversation, then uh, as in practical as a traditional, uh, as a not even traditional, as an effective street, let's say martial arts, then you're missing the whole point of it. So I teach Bunkai from purely an enjoyment point of view. And I, I tell that to people as well, uh, okay? Some of these moves relate. There is actually a good little video uh, out there somewhere, I think it was YouTube or one of the social medias, where there's uh, someone's put together MMA mainly, uh, fights, and people are doing movements and he's then done exactly the same movement of the kata next to it. So it's got a guy in a white pajama or a girl in white pajamas doing a block strike kata move. And then the MMA, he's synced it up to exactly the same move. And a lot of it, unless you're trained, you wouldn't get or understand. You see it and you're and uh, but in general, I think if someone's knocking Kata from the point of view of why do, I don't think they get it, and they, you know, I don't mean any judgment on that. It's like they just don't get it. I I don't really want to go there with that that conversation. It doesn't take for us the uh, sole purpose of our training. It's probably about twenty percent, I reckon, of our our martial arts training the time we do. So it, it's a good percentage, but not a huge percent. And I think it also has a great tool for kids, uh, in uh, particular kids that have uh, difficulty uh, concentrating, difficulty standing still and taking in information. And that's really rewarding when you teach a kid that didn't know he's there from his right, can't basically follow simple instruction. Not because they're naughty, not because they're stupid, just because they're young and they haven't learned. And you teach them some kata and uh, they they learn it. So that, that's where, where I'm at. Are you going to give your own input on it as, or we're we just going to move I'm on to the to, next one? We can move on or I'm happy to give my two cents on it. So I Go still on. enjoy kata. I still use kata, train kata. For me, I teach it and enjoy it as an active meditation. So I think, which is what you were kind of saying uh, yeah. at the start of it. It's like similar to yoga and why people do yoga, but it's a bit more engaging in terms of if you're a fighter and you enjoy kicks and punches, it's kind of like yoga for fighters in that sense. Um, and I get a lot of, like you said, calm and stillness by going through kata and spending time learning it, remembering it, repeating it, studying it. I think that's also down to the way we teach it and practice it. So if people yeah. don't get it, like a lot of the martial arts, do it, come and do it. So if you don't get kata, if you want to not kata, well rather, if you don't get kata, come and train with us and uh, we'll show you our way. Not that you're gonna then like it, but at least you could then have appreciation of the way that we do it. If you're not kata, I don't want to have the conversation. It's like basically turn around and say yoga's not effective uh, for street fighting. It's the same. Kata yeah, isn't yeah. effective for street fighting. You don't, um, we don't teach it that way. I won't ever uh, stand up in class and go, okay, we're going to do some kata self-defense street fighting today. Uh, I completely agree with everyone from that point of view. I guess maybe that's part of the issue is that certain schools that have a more diluted version of it do consider it and teach it and preach it as being an effective way to learn. You know, they, they think that that represents blocking a metal pipe or something with your forearm and then throwing a punch to the stomach back at them afterwards. When obviously if you, if you had a deeper understanding, you'd know that that's not what it represents. 
but people will and do teach it in that way through a lack of understanding uh, you, of themselves. You said play devil's, uh, devil's advocate. MMA isn't an effective martial arts uh, street fighting system. It's not effective because why are you going to go on the ground with someone? Why are you going to go and look for a fight? The most effective self-defense is not to get into a street fight in the first place. So, you know, you can play a whole devil's advocate with this, couldn't you? Yes. All right, devil advocate number two. Second thing, again, comes up very often. Uh, and uh, I've, I'm just going to do it so I can get your opinion. Very similar geist to the cattle one. Uh, this one normally goes more along the lines of what is, how effective is point style fighting as a fighting system? As in, is it simply a game in itself that is what it is and has its own merit as a game of itself? Or is it truly an effective way to approach fighting? Often the people who are in support of it give examples of certain MMA fighters, including Michael Page, uh, who we both know, and his effective adaptation, Raymond Daniels, uh, Stephen Thompson, adaptation of the style. But you will get people, and very often people, who state that if you look at the majority of people in full contact sports, they're not utilizing that system because it's not the most effective way. So effectiveness of points fighting as a fighting system, uh, or is it simply a good game to play? I think uh, martial arts uh, as a whole, uh, so looking at the broader picture, points fighting hasn't been, in its uh, modern day uh, arena, let's say, hasn't been around that long in comparison to jiu-jitsu, judo, uh, maokai, MMA arts have uh, arts rather that have become what is MMA. So I, I think a lot of people don't know what points fighting is. That's a straight up. I don't think a lot of people know what it is, and uh, it's not. I, if someone turns around and says it's like a game of tag, I, I would use that to explain it. Uh, when, when we practiced yesterday with the four and five year olds, I would say, yeah, we were, we were getting them to play a game of tag. We didn't want them to get hurt. Uh, we didn't want them to go out with bloody noses and black eyes. So they were playing a game of tag. But it's what is effective is the strategy and the concept of, uh, of points fighting. Now, I could go on for hours about this, but I could talk you through a pyramid of technical to movement to put no step to create timing. I could talk you through situation, if someone was kicking you, if you were in the corner, if you were down on points, up on points, uh, you know, last 10 seconds of the fight into the rhythm of the fight, which I can break down with video analysis, literally slow-moing things that are happening in a fight. Uh, James, one of our junior instructors, he was watching a MMA fight at the weekend. Uh, the top bill, I, I don't follow the MMA big, so I can't give names. He said the guy was basically just setting him up. He's layering his fighting. At the start of the fight, he was setting the arm up with this, hitting him with that. And then he was what we use as terminology, baiting him. And James was able to break the fight down and explain it in a real somewhat you could say sports scientific approach and uh, i don't think many uh other disciplines of arts can do that as well as point fighters can so they might not be the strongest striker they might be a little bit wet and flimsy with with what they do but there's a knowledge there's an understanding that is very effective with uh, when applied right, like the Raymond Daniels, the Thompsons, the uh, Pages uh, and such like. So again, it, it all goes back to, I suppose, why UFA or UFC originally started. Uh, is Jiu-Jitsu better than Judo? Is boxing better than karate? They put the guys together and then it's amalgamated this whole thing. So taking a point fighter off the Irish Open and putting them into a cage 
they yeah it, it, it's it's going to have its limitations but likewise if you took someone out the cage and put them in the uh, framework of the Irish Open point fighting they'd get blasted and everyone would be like oh look at them they they, they got their ass worked uh, it, it's a framework and how you use it I think is what the conversation is more uh, helpful for yeah yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. I think that makes a lot of sense. I, again, in my understanding, when I look at these conversations that they have, the, the main critique of it is the lack of damage, uh, that unlike sports like Muay Thai and boxing, you're not seeing people get knocked out all the time. In fact, more often than not, both fighters walk away completely fine and fight multiple times in a day because they're able to do so because of the the lack of a comparative impact as to something like Muay Thai, uh, where they're hitting with elbows and knees and only fight one time a day because it just wouldn't, you know, their bodies couldn't handle anymore. And that's often put forward as a critique, but I would argue that to in a lot of extents, it's the exact opposite. It's actually one of the greatest things about it is, you know, if you look at how many fights Michael Page had before getting into a cage, you couldn't count them because he'd have up to 10 fights a day, maybe more, you know, over a weekend of the Irish Open, he might have had up to 50 different fights over divisions and as, open weights me, and tag teams. That, that's what's so exciting about it. it yeah, is, yeah. I, I can spar with my six-year-old daughter. I don't have to change the rules. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm not going to grapple and uh, submit and choke out and elbow my six-year-old daughter i can teach you those things to do on pads and you know in a in a fun way but you you're really uh, effectively diluting what the effectiveness of all that is by that it, it, that's right so yeah that's where i think the beauty of the points is but yeah no continue yeah. no no and i i think that's the that's the the thing is i i think it's more like what you said it's a lack of understanding rather than a dismissal it's just you don't understand it for what it is. And therefore, the, the easiest thing to do is just dismiss it and say that it's it's ineffective. And I think if we're, it depends on what you mean by effective, right? Because if we're talking about fight to the death situation, then all right, fine. Points fighting is not an, not the best system for teaching you how to fight to the death. But who's doing that anymore? Why is anyone in the, you know, in a first world country like the UK training to fight to the death that it's just that seems like a ridiculous thing to do these days to, to try and train to kill when we live in a modern society where that's not necessary and won't hopefully will never be necessary again why would you why is that the the um the thing at which that you measure everything else is the ability to cause maximum damage slash death as opposed to what is the most dynamic sport what is the most fun sport what is the most interesting which in which case i think points has a lot of merit i don't know if this is relevant or not but what's better as motorbike racing or formula one racing oh god i actually find that question hard to answer <laughs> um i would say motorbike racing as, no but which one's faster as oh but which one's no, most effective as which one's the most efficient as yeah, it's like what what's the point Apples of really even yeah comparing, isn't it? It's like watch whatever you want to watch. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure the F1. Well, they, I know for sure because they do. They don't, they they chop and change to every now and then to try it out to see learn a better technique. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's all about harmony. I think not not you know clashing all the time. Yes, I think it's sometimes I think people find it easier to clash than to try to look for the common ground. It's easier to point out the differences than to look for what we have in common. I think I don't know if that's human nature, uh, but we, we tend to look for what's different and attack that as opposed to look for what we have in common and celebrate that. I think that needs to become the new the new default setting. Like we're pro uh, point fighting. As in, we teach point fighting, we compete in point fighting, we like uh, point fighting, and uh, I I won't knock any other. I've kind of lost the thread of what I was going to say now. But I carry on now. I'll come back to it in a minute. <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say. Uh, 
<laughs> we, we wouldn't knock another discipline and never and never have done so we would never knock muay thai or knock k1 uh we we would celebrate them as much as we would celebrate that which we practice and take part in. yeah it's just not our choice to roll around on the floor and get sweaty and choke each other out it's just that, yeah not not the way i play no there's something else to say but now it, it might come back <laughs> come on it will come back right they're the two main i guess where people argue online if anything uh opinion pieces so people that ask these opinions is oh excuse opinions me i've got on... it now i've got what? it now He's back. Uh, yeah, it's come back. I, I, you know, when you go off of the thread and then suddenly shit, I've got it. Was <laughs> I wonder? I wonder if because um, we're not we're pro fight point fighters. That's what I was going to say. So we're we're not defending point fighting. I think we're having a conversation about the relevance of point fighting because you said this conversation happens out there. So maybe if we had a uh, all go uh, pro. Uh, uh, other discipline uh is the knocking others could it be an insecurity about your own that i don't know i i mean i'm sure for some people it is i don't know if that is their their intention i think it, it certainly is to reinforce your own whether it comes from an insecurity but you know if you if you love your own then you'll you'll kind of piss on anything that's not your own to to rise yours up uh, i think that that's certainly probably part of it mm. yeah i i, I, I think the other thing is I, the other thing is with points fighting uh and brazilian jiu-jitsu suffers from a similar thing it's not necessarily the most spectator friendly sport as a casual if you don't understand what you're looking at uh, points fighting can look like a game of tag and two people dancing around on a mat. Brazilian jiu-jitsu can look like two people rolling around and hugging on the floor. So if you don't know what you're looking at as a casual observer who's, you know, you're flicking through TV and you put it on, you might look at that and say, what is this? Whereas boxing, for example, is as a casual, you understand what you're looking at. Oh, he's being hit in the head. He's not being hit in the head. He's doing a better job. But I think that's yeah. another a part of the issue. Jiu-Jitsu's kind of come up because of things like the UFC has given it a bit more notoriety, whereas points hasn't reached that stage of infamy. Like you said, very young sport, relatively speaking, hasn't, been, hasn't received that level of exposure. I think when casual people see it, they presume that it's just two people flicking each other. Yeah, yeah for sure. There we go. There we go. Common thing that comes up, uh, knife defense and gun defense. Should you teach them? Are they good to learn? Are they effective? Or is it more dangerous to give people a false sense of confidence when none of it really works? If it does. Oh, okay, yeah, that, that's a, an interesting one. I don't teach any beginners or anyone that knew uh, knife or gun defense. So I every now and then on our advanced courses, or if we're doing, say, a self-defense specific course, uh, bring out the rubber knives, we do a bit of knife self-defense. But uh, by this time, people, uh, the students that are training, have a great understanding of how I teach, the way I teach, and the way I address it. And I always start it with, we are doing this for a bit of alternative learning, a bit of, this is a way of, some people teach martial arts and everything else. And I go down a long line of if ever someone pulled a knife, make space, pick up a chair, pick up a stick, hit them with that, throw it and run away. I never, never teach it. And I tell them, don't now go out looking for trouble when everything counts. So I think it's, it's uh, wrong to teach it in the wrong context. So for instance, you had a, a group of young teenagers first time training and you taught them uh should it be taught i think only if it's taught with certain guidelines surrounding it and understanding 
Gun defense, yay or nay? Uh, I don't really teach it. I, I just teach one little thing, but I don't see there's any relevance, especially in our country, uh, to gun defense. Uh, I would say that I, I would say the only uh, time I have taught uh, some uh, gun knife defense was uh, to uh, special forces to, uh, well, a lot of them have their own way anyway, uh, but security or those working a in an environment where they're likely or more likely to come across it yeah but as a casual person learning martial arts you wouldn't encourage the idea of teaching the general public how to disarm no. someone with a gun no no yeah in agreement there in agreement yeah. what's the uh, general chat that comes up on about this what's general thread uh, or I, I generally you read a very similar thing that most people think it's BS and again a lot of this comes from a really good Instagram channel for a follow is McDojo Life I don't know if you've heard of these guys but they basically expose bullshito martial arts people who are teaching utter rubbish uh, and it's it's kind of amplified recently because so many people are doing online courses to try and make a bit of money so you can find an online course on street defense, knife defense, gun defense. And you get these mad instructional videos of people teaching you to like put one finger on the barrel of a gun and move it across and, you know, to, disarm. to defend yourself and yeah. 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 And, I, and again, it's when you think of casual people who are stumbling across this stuff, that's what they see and they go, well, that's a load of crap. And it's like, yeah, it is, you're not wrong. But that's not necessarily the whole world of it. But the, the stuff that's really worth learning, you're not going to find it online, you know, on YouTube. It's not going to be something that people just put out there. It's a very small minority of people who even know it. And these people are, you know, like you said, special forces or working with special forces. They're not out making instructional DVDs. They're, they're, they're the main, the three that always, I just see them all the time. Uh, and I'm always interested to see what the conversation is because it, it tends to repeat itself uh, over and over. I will swing it to you because you said you had a few things you wanted to bring to the combo. Yeah, I, I did. I, I wanted to bring it in a context of uh, martial arts because obviously it's the martial arts episode. And we have, uh, I was trying to think what we spoke about last time. I think we got more traditional, didn't we? Uh, last yes. time about the arts and the martial arts. Uh, I've got two angles with this, um, and I've written it down as it's not a popularity contest. And I've mm. fallen into this trap before in the past. And it's, uh, I wouldn't say I do my marketing now. Yes, we do do posts about how good we are, how good our students are and everything else. Uh, I think it's a uh, it's not a constructive way to deliver yourself as a martial artist or that to make it just a popularity contest about how popular you are. Am I making sense with that? You are, but please expand. I, I, do you mean because I'm you feels like you're coming from a marketing point of view in terms of how you market your business? And that maybe the, the classic rules of marketing don't necessarily or shouldn't necessarily apply to something such as what we're doing. I'm blanketing martial arts in general, martial artists in general, where, for instance, some people, uh, they go to Mickey Mouse World Championships because anyone that's not in the world of arts, uh, kickboxing take, for instance, there are ABC, one, two, three, hundreds of different martial arts uh, kickboxing world championships. Uh, Wacko is the only one, it's the only one Olympic recognised now as well. So hats off to uh, Wacko for, for that recent success. Uh, but yeah, I know for a fact they will go to a Mickey Mouse competition uh, to get a 10 times eight-year-old world champion because it's about a popularity contest. It's about uh, being uh, on the newspaper, local newspaper, and everything else. And also, it's, uh, I suppose, oh, it kind of borderlines bullying and things like that, where in classes I've trained with people and uh, 
seen different things over the years, especially with the traveling with martial arts, where it is like, uh, oh, you call me sensei because I'm the most, maybe popularity isn't the right word I'm ego. using here. Yeah, yeah, it, it's not Driven ego. Driven by it's ego. Not, yeah, it's not a popularity contest. Uh, it, on your journey of martial arts, don't, don't do it as a student, as a uh, competitor, as a instructor, just to be popular, if, it, if that makes sense. Yeah, there, there's a lot of pressure, which is a big thing, right? Uh, there's pressure to, it's not good enough now to just be a martial artist. You have to be a black belt for anyone to care. It's now not good enough to be a black belt anymore. You have to be a world champion for anyone to care. It's now not good enough to be a world champion because if you're not a world champion in the right place, nobody cares. So I think that's a big part of the pressure, right? Is if you can't win in the big leagues, you're going to go somewhere else where you can rack up the wins. You can get the gold belt. You can get the trophy. You can stand on the podium and you can feel like a winner. Uh, and I think that's what everyone kind of chases. And well, I don't know. I guess that's the question, right? Is it a good or a bad thing that everyone can be a world champion? Everyone can feel like they're the best in the world, even though we know only this guy is the best in the world. Like if you, if you took all the world champions, that guy's the one who's actually going to be the world champion in that weight class. Yeah. But, but there's this thing of, yeah, I, I can't win the wackos. So I'll go to the blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I can win there and I can be on the podium and I can put it on Instagram and everyone calls me champ and I can put it in my bio and I can put it on my website for again, casuals who all they read is world champion. They don't know what that means. They just know, oh, that's good. <laughs> that's probably as good as it gets, right? He's a world champion. So yeah, it's a it's a really sticky topic, I think, because um, it, it dilutes everything, doesn't it? It dilutes it. The same as the black belt. Everyone has a black belt. And then you yeah. look at one black belt and you go, oh, is that all it takes to be a black belt? Because I can probably do all of that. And then you go, no, look at this guy. And it's a completely different story. The flip side of this uh, popularity contest, uh, I've, uh, I'll give us a bit of advice uh, for instructors, uh, something that I've uh, really worked on. I feel I've really evolved as an instructor over this whole uh, lockdown and COVID thing. I think we've had to adapt ourselves. Uh, I think Zoom has been a good thing for that. It has taught us to look at ourselves and the way we teach even if it is hated to and the way that you've been able to come back to teaching and things like that. I have certainly evolved. And uh, as an instructor, uh, I, I was never, I never sort of put this into my own training uh, as, a, as an athlete or as a, a martial artist, you know, martial arts athlete or a traditional martial artist, but as an instructor, not to always realize it sometimes you've got to be unpopular to be a good instructor, if I'm making sense there. So sometimes you've got to talk to people with some truth uh, to get a message across and not just be nice to everyone. And I've had it in a few occasions, like last week, for instance, I had a, I've got a two cousins uh, training and uh, one cousin is uh, definitely doing uh, the uh, red belt next month. Now I've said to the other cousin who started after them, if you can pick yourself up, I'll, I'll let you do her, your, your red belt too. And uh, the mum of the first cousin has turned around at the end of the lesson and said, that's just not fair. That's not fair. My, my kid, because it's a bit of like the, the brother and sister of the parents of the uh, cousins don't you know meet eye to eye all the time. So it's not fair that they can catch up with my kid. It's not fair that you're letting them do that. And uh, in the past, I think one would have dampened it a little bit different and tried not to sort of. And I just said to her, I said, no, you're completely wrong. I said that is not healthy to be comparing the kids together like that. I'm choosing really what is to beneficial. Do. I'm choosing what is beneficial for the kid here. And I, I've done this a few times recently where I've been pleased because, and, that, and then she turned around and said, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I see what I did there. 
uh, where it, and yeah, it's not about this. Not got to be again. I don't know if popular is the right word. Yeah, am I making sense? Yeah, you, you're doing people a disservice if you're just telling them what they want to hear. We we have this issue with we are a service industry. So our job is to some extent to please the customer, but sometimes for to do our job properly, it might upset the customer. Like I'll give you an example. I've got a kid, he's not grading, he's not ready. And I've told mum he's not ready and she can't fathom that he's not ready. She's like, well, he's come to training every week. So why is he not ready? She's basically trying to pin it on me that I'm obviously not teaching him well enough because he's coming. You know, his attendance is there and therefore it must be that I'm the problem. And I said, the issue is he doesn't focus. He doesn't pay attention. He doesn't train properly and his technique isn't at the right level. He needs a few more months. Other kids of the same grade are ready, have put in the time, have put in the focus and do know the technique. That's all it comes down to. And it's like, I can't make her happy because she wants, she wants me to say something that I'm not prepared to say. And she wants me to do something that I'm not prepared to do, but it's for the benefit of her kid, whether she sees it or not. So it's like to do my job right and to do my job well, I actually have to upset my paying customer. And I think that's something quite unique about what we, what we do. Well, you wouldn't go to the uh, doctor, uh, maybe that's not the best example, and uh, they then give you advice and you turn around and go, no, no, I want you to tell me a, something different, would you? It's mm -hmm. like, uh, I don't think there's enough uh, covered with the martial arts and the understanding and the time and everything that's been put into it by instructors. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you an example for anyone who's not quite following. I used to work at a French brasserie, so we used to do steaks. Uh, and the head chef refused to do a steak well done. He said, you can have it medium, he said, but I won't cook steaks in this place well done, unless you're pregnant, in which case apparently it's like a health issue. Uh, regardless of other than that, I won't do it for you. And we've had multiple people complain and say, you know, I want it well done. And on all, multiple occasions, he will come out and explain. He says, this is a good piece of meat and a medium is already far too cooked and have already effectively ruined the experience and the quality of that meat. I'm not going to do it any further disservice by serving it well done. If you want to have it like that, you can go elsewhere. And he just stands by it. It's just a principle. He understands that it upsets customers. But as a chef who takes pride in what he does, he just refuses to cross that line. And that's a bit of an extreme one because it's like it's a steak, just cook it how the person wants it. But we could say the same. It's just the belt. Give it to the yeah. kid. Uh, it's, you know, it's just the grading. What's the big deal? He's just six. It's what's the big deal. But it's like it has to start there because otherwise it's like you're, you're giving up on your principles and then, you know, it all falls apart. Yeah. I said uh, our last uh, podcast uh, on the martial arts special, we, we spoke possibly a bit more about traditional side of the martial arts and everything else. So sort of bringing this one uh, full circle. What, uh, what effect has, for instance, MMA and the sports side on martial arts had? And where or is there any value still in the traditional art? So I, I reckon you could go back to the 80s and most, I don't know, I don't have the stats here, but I'm just guessing that you might want to correct us as, but I'm guessing if you went back to the 80s, most people were training a traditional martial art. By that, I mean your, your martial art that you can trace back to Karate Japan, Taekwondo uh, career, uh, Kung Fu uh, China, you, you could you could go back to a traditional martial art. Most people were doing that in the eighties. Now in the twenties, twenty twenties, I reckon most people are doing a sport martial art. So be it MMA, be it kickboxing in a sport or fitness martial arts. Most people do in so. What effect has the sport had on the martial arts? And maybe as a separate answer, uh, is there value in the traditional arts still and where are they? 
Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> question one, how's it affected it? I think it's a double-edged sword. So in one respect, it's brought a lot more attention to martial arts than ever before. Uh, I think more people have heard the word martial arts and now have some fathom of what that means than, than anywhere in history. Because it used to very much be a niche thing. You know, if you did martial arts, you were like one in a hundred people, I'd say, who actually knew what it was and took part in it and knew where to go to take part in it. Now it's everywhere in every realm you can find it. So I think it's, it's done a good thing for it in the sense that it's spread martial arts a lot more. More people are probably practicing it now than ever before. To, to, in terms of traditional martial arts, I think, yes, it's been detrimental to it to an extent, but I think part of that comes down to traditional martial arts lacking a certain amount of evolution. Like I think a lot of traditional martial artists have stayed so much in their ways of what they were doing back in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. But we've seen through time that some of that stuff probably does need to be left where it was and things do need to evolve and move forward. Like I would say we teach very modern martial arts schools. If you came to our martial arts school compared to a very traditional one, even though we teach some elements of traditional martial arts, our schools are relatively modern. I think we've evolved with the times. I think a lot of people haven't and they're being seen as relics now and they're getting criticized for that. And I think that there's some, some validity to that criticism. I also think not everyone is trying to be a UFC fighter. Not everyone is trying to be a competitive, get hit in the head kind of person. And if you're not interested in getting hit in the head, it doesn't mean you can't enjoy the benefits of martial arts, increased health, flexibility, mental well-being, exercise, community, team, being part of a team. All of that you can still benefit from by doing a traditional martial art without getting hit in the head without sustaining any injuries. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. We're not all meathead fighters at the end of the day. You spoke earlier about you know points fighting so that the kids can go to school the next day without black eyes. But it's the same for people who work full time. They can't be going into work like Fight Club, you know, all busted and brooding up each day. They need to be able to function the next day, take the kids to school, go to work. And you can't do that with broken arms and broken noses and being all busted up all the time. So I think traditional martial arts has its place. The biggest issue is anyone who can't differentiate. There, you know, there's, there's these people out there who are still going whoop, 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 and thinking that that's gonna work in the street, in the cage, anywhere that they go, whoop, 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 and they've, they've got it, they're sorted, they're Bruce Lee and it's all handled. I think it's just knowing what you do and not and being honest about it. You know, you're a sport or you practice self-defense or you just do it for fun and all are okay. There's no right or wrong to that. It's like, what? it's your life. Practice it for whatever reason you want. We live in a first world country. We're not at war. We're not in warring nations. We don't need weapons. We're, we're okay. So enjoy martial arts for whatever you want. Compete in it, kata, fitness, make friends. It's all good. It's all gravy. Having come from a traditional background myself and uh, making sure, like, I would say we are very much a, like you said, a modern martial arts club. But any kid that comes and trains with me, they still have to do the traditional side. And by that, where I think the values lie and what I have seen in my time in the arts, especially the sports side, is... There's someone that's got a direct connection to a traditional martial arts. So let's say they've done, 20, just put a date on it, they've done 20, 30 years of a traditional style, Kung Fu or Karate. And they also teach the sports side. And they've had someone come and train with them, train with them maybe five years, you know, well committed. They've done really well on the competition side. And then that person sets up their own club. But what they don't take with them is any of the traditional art. They go away and they, they, the reason they broke away is because they just enjoy the sports side, just want to do the sports side. And I've got no problem with it. I'm not knocking it. This isn't a, a judgment thing. It's just uh, what, what I've seen. But what they miss is like, they don't bother with belts. They don't bother with 
uh, anything like it. Our fight club, you don't have to wear a belt in our fight club because it's sport. But that same student, that same kid, will come to a karate class, will have to come to karate class, and will have to learn how to tie a belt. We'll bow and show respect when they come in. We'll listen to instruction. I think we might have uh, talked about on another uh, episode on something else, but like the fight club, people learn uh, in the fight club from watching and copying, whereas in the karate, we teach what they are doing. We, we correct the movement, and it's a, it's a whole different learning method, and that's where I think there is a lot of value still in the traditional side, which has been lost in the modern modern arts when it's become that modern, uh, for a better word, uh, not diluted down, but uh, it started to jump generations. You see it with parenting, don't you? you see it with parenting, you know, uh, lack of manners and, and things like that. Yeah, I think sometimes in the quest of performance uh, and trying to do very well at something, we, we can be tempted to streamline things. So things like belts and bowing at the door can feel like they're low value items in the scheme of it. And same goes for stuff like kata, where it's like, if I've got one hour to train, I should just train what the most effective stuff is, the kick and the punch. Uh, and I shouldn't waste any time bowing, tying belt, correcting uniform, doing kata, learning, Japanese names of techniques. I should just practice my jab, my roundhouse kick, my my whatever it might be. And I think that's that's the the thought process of a lot of people who go that way. I think what they miss is the the long-term benefits of the slow growth and of maintaining those standards throughout regardless, even though you know that maybe it does slow down the progress a bit. But you're, you're instilling stuff in people that's a lot bigger than kicks and punches. Uh, I think the traditional arts, because, uh, you know, the, I, I love the sports side of everything else. Uh, I think the traditional arts uh, give uh, longevity uh, to, to a martial artist as well. Uh, I don't think the, the sports side, the people that are looking for the street fight, for the uh, everything else, I don't think there's always a longevity to the becoming a world champion, becoming an everything else, unless you then go down the route of coaching and uh, that, that side of it. But where I think the real harmony, uh, the real beauty comes is from the harmony of it all, the yin and yang of it all. So for instance, we were doing our fight club film last week. So we're watching uh, fights and it was just one of the Italian ones that they've had recently. And we're watching the ladies open weight. We're breaking it down. We're talking about what they're doing what they could be doing better. And uh, we were scrutinizing it quite, quite a bit, quite heavily actually, uh, because it was quite basic, uh, the level of what they were fighting. Uh, there was a lot of kind of uh, rookie errors uh, and things that someone was doing that was simple but, but effective where the other side, because it was the open weight final. And uh, I turned to uh, one of our top girls, Santa Carla, and I said, oh, what, what uh, do you make of watching that? And she's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I get everything you're saying, I understand and everything. I said, what, what do you have as an opinion in your mind to, to fight them? And uh, she was like, I don't quite get you. And I, I turned to James Andy, who's in the room, and I said, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think Carla could compete with at about her third, third of her potential against these girls. And like, beat them easy. Ten clear and beat him easy with a third of her percentage. Carla and turned around and said, "Oh no, I don't think that." As soon as you said that, I don't think I'm good enough to beat. And I, I'm not like trying. I say I'm trying to try and pull a blank out of your eyes, but you've got to now train in a way that you've got to believe because it's also proven she has beaten the best. And it's like you've got to train in a way to get your mind uh, uh, with a helpful thing with a way that you can you can achieve greatness. And what I'm getting at is I think that's the most important lesson. So when when she trains next, whether it's karate, kickboxing, uh, fight club, whatever, kicking, punching or anything, it, it's training that side. And I think that for the future is where the real benefit of martial arts will be. 
and it's how you train and how it uh, helps the rest of your life, uh, not just how you can do it in a street fight, how you can do it in a competition, whether you learn it. Yeah, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I, I, I can really sympathize with where Carla comes from because I was very similar. I had all the physical ability in the world. I had all the technique in the world, but I lacked that part. I lacked the self-belief mechanism. And I even now looking back on it, I know where it all came from in terms of my upbringing and the culture within my family. It wasn't that I wasn't loved. It was just there was a culture around the way I was raised. And that was never distilled in me, that level of self-belief and confidence. So it's just not there. And then going to martial arts developed it. it like that's where I found it and developed it for myself. And then, you know, I didn't end up doing everything I wanted to do in competition. But the life skill I gained from it was invaluable in terms of now running my own business and living the rest of my life. Like I, I, can't, I can't put into words how significant it was for me. And I think Carla's very similar in that sense that she's, she's got all the physical ability in the world. And you know, if Carla ever listens to this, she, she'll know what I'm saying. Uh, but there's certain things that you have to battle through and certain things you have to develop and martial arts can give that to you. It's like a gift beyond, like I said, the kicks and the punches. Yeah. And if you enjoy wrestling, choking, do a, do a uh, ground fighting martial arts. If you enjoy kicking, punching, uh, do a stand-up martial arts. If you enjoy learning kata, do a, a uh, you know, kata forms a, a weapons martial art. Um, so if you're with the right instructor, I, I, I believe you will be given by whatever method those, those, I think that's the quality of martial arts in the modern world we live in as well. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Love it. I think we covered some pretty good ground. In our that, yeah, that, that episode. Uh, as do you have a, I've got a quote ready. Do you have a quote ready? I'm good. Let's let's go. I'm uh, I'm going to draw this one. I have it related to our fight club, so our sports side. Uh, but I believe it's to be whatever you want to be, not in just martial arts uh, or life. But if you believe in who you are, uh, you will become what you believe. I like it. I like it. I am going to go with this one. Uh, this one is from, so again, I'm talking to the casuals because I like to, I want to reach out to people who are not of this world because I think they're the ones who would benefit the most from hearing this stuff. So this is from Joe Rogan. Most people know who Joe Rogan is. And if you didn't know, he's a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner, big fan of MMA and of points fighting and everything else. He used to do Taekwondo. He says, I see martial arts as a moving form of meditation. Whether you're sparring or drilling techniques, you can't think of anything else. Yeah, I love it. Sums it up pretty beautifully, it. don't it? Well, you probably found this podcast because you clicked on a link or you uh, searched it, but you can find them all on uh, however you stream your podcast. Uh, so type in uh, short combos. And like us, give us reviews, comment down below if you're watching us on YouTube. It helps us with that little algorithm. Hit the little like button. We appreciate it. Join in the conversation. Let us know what else you want to hear us talk about. And if you enjoyed the martial arts battle show, really let us know and we'll do another one somewhere down the line because I think we could probably talk about this stuff forever and ever and ever. Yes, for sure. Peace out, everyone. Pleasure, guys. See you next time.